This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome back to the Ishtar Essentials course here in the amazing spiritual city of Jerusalem. This week we're doing what's called true spirituality. And what I mean by true spirituality, even though the title sounds uh, a little bit arrogant, um, what we're doing is we're talking really bluntly about spirituality. And, and that's basically how we're spending our week. So day one was to, um, we dealt with, on Sunday, we, were you here on, you were here on Sunday? Okay. Just yesterday? Sunday you were here? Uh, what we did on Sunday was not very nice. You were here Sunday. It was not very nice. What we basically said was your, your self-image is what's in the way of your spirituality. And I asked at the beginning of the class, who's willing to let go of their self-image for spirituality? And the only person who raised their hand was him. And then I asked, by the end of the class, after I explained what, I, what, what the self-image actually is, meaning once we spoke about what self-image actually is, we, and then I asked who's willing to let go of their, grab that spot next to this dude, who's willing to let go of uh, their self-image to get some spirituality, then they did raise their hand. Because what I did was I spent the whole day Sunday helping people lose their lose their uh, kind of white knuckled grasp of trying to be somebody. Because we have no idea who we are and we're not supposed to. And all the self image that we create is is really what's in the way of our of our connection to not just God, but anybody. Think about it. Every person you ever meet is a potential affront to your personality. Any person might let make you, in one second, can make you feel completely insignificant by just moving their facial muscles the wrong way. So that fragile self-image is in the way of all connection because we're, we're, we're just so stingy with connection. We're so reluctant to allow ourselves to connect. So what do you think? You're going to totally not connect with your mom. You're going to be totally not connected with several siblings. You're going to be totally not connected with lots of girls in your school. You're going to be totally not connected um, with even girls in the school you call yourself connected to, but you're not really connected to. And now you want to be connected to God. Your, your USB cables aren't well. And the reason your USB cables aren't well is because of the self-image. Release the self-image, your USB cables now are usable for all your relationships. There, that was Sunday. I'm just catching all up. Yesterday, we spoke about the word spirituality in general. Like, what does that word really mean? And we broke it down into two words, and I'll break it down this time quickly. We broke it down into... Um, So we broke down into um, spirit and ritual. Rituals you can video, and spirit you can't video. And we spoke about the ritual is the what, ma, or what, and then the 
spirit is the why, which is the word lama. Same word, lama, which is why. And the so the word lima or ma are the same word basically. And one is what and one is why. And when you have the why, then the what's alive. When you have the meaning, uh, if you know what to do, but you don't know why you're doing it, is it going to be alive? No. But if you have the what and you have the why connected, so then you have spirit-infused ritual, which means it's alive. And we define the word spirit as being lungs in the, in the air in your lungs. So there's perspire, respire, expire, inspire. All those words just come from lungs with air in them. But when you lose the air in the lungs, when you lose the spirit of something and you're stuck with just the ritual, so then you have, then what happens is things die. So we went into a deep discourse yesterday on how when we're in times of struggle, tribulation, persecution, any difficult times in Jewish history, what, what do you think is the first one we sacrifice? What or why? Meaning, if this is a body of knowledge of if this is a body of knowledge that includes 613 hyperlinks which equals 55,000 halachas so in Kabbalah let's say we can multiply it by let's say 10 so we have 5 5 So we have, how much is that? What? Yeah. Let's say we multiply it by 10, so we get 550,000 details. Because probably for every one halacha, there's probably about 10 Kabbalistic things going on behind it. You know, there's, there's, you know, there's a lot going on. Like, have you ever been to a shir on a particular mitzvah? where they're discussing a particular mitzvah and they say, okay, this is the mitzvah and this is what you do. And then they give an hour shear on that one thing. So I'm saying approximately 10. Some will be much more. You know, like, uh, you know, certain certain commandments are going to have, you know, certain laws are going to have a lot of detail. For example, all the laws of how to make the letters. Like a sofa making the letters, there's probably going to be a hundred things you can learn out from an aleph. Uh, if not more, you know, just from the letter out. Anyway, there's a lot of we have a lot of learning to do. And, but tell me, when you lack luxury because of because of tribulation in the in our nation, which one's going to go? The what or the why? Which one gets sacrificed? What? What? You're just going to walk around kabbalistically knowing all these things without actually doing anything? <laughs> That's going to be the why. And the way I put it yesterday is if you have bread, when you're starving and you find bread, are you going to wait for cream cheese? This is the cream cheese. And you're just going to eat the bread and try to stay alive with it. So we all come from a generation of whatniks. You get what I'm talking about? We come from a generation of whatniks because... The last 200 years, all, the last 2,000 years since the destruction of the temple have been rough. The last 200 years have been the roughest. 
and that's because of the secular onslaught of the Haskalah and the uh, and the Holocaust and for other things we've been through. Fair? Okay. That's where we got to yesterday, and the only other th detail we added was that that uh, Western people generally are into ritual, and Eastern people are generally into spirit, but Judaism is right in the center. Meaning, if you go from India to Rome, the center is Judaism. That's why you'll have 550,000 wise, and you'll have 55,000 wise. Now, again, just to reiterate the understatement here. Why? Because um, the story of Genesis itself, how much Kabbalah, how much Kabbalah you think is involved, of spiritual details involved there? It feels, it feels all spiritual details. It feels like it's filled with it. Well, it itself seems packed with it, but, but just imagine what's in the Kabbalah on, the, on just creation. Then there's a whole other chapter. There's one chapter of Ezekiel called Masim Merkava. Masim Merkava is the chariot of the of Yechezkel. And that's the whole study of how God runs creation. Meaning there's Masim Ereshis. It's a whole field of study in Kabbalah. And then there's Masim Merkava, which is how God runs creation. You could literally start learning Masim Merkava today and you won't finish till you die without having studied one commandment. Meaning, not mentioning, that, that's not even mentioning the what's. This is just pure Kabbalah. Just understanding the secrets of creation in the, uh, the whole metaphysical system of creation. So we're talking about a massive amount of information. Totally missing. Yeah? So for 2,000 years, people knew the 550,000 mystical reasons or did they yeah, we still we, there are still people who are there to, today. That knew some of it. There are still people who know a lot, a lot of it today. There's still people. They're usually pretty hidden types. They're not like advertising Kabbalah classes online, you know. They, these are people who are, uh, you know, very special, reclusive people with a with a giant diet of Kabbalah. Meaning the what and the why for them, they have a big diet of why. Like, has the information always been available for everybody to access it? Or is it no. just recently that you could, like, if you want to, if you learn everything, there is a way to go learn? Today's we have a little less access, but uh, throughout history. Less yeah. Throughout history, there was more access. Really? No. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That fewer people Teach, knew it. More te people knew it. Before Every the Arisal, generation, there's less it. people who know. Before the Arisal, nobody knew it. Arisal, everyone knew it. The, the, the Arisal was only known for having cracked its code and been able to explain it. He created like the art scroll of the Zohar. Yeah. Which, the funny thing is, is today the Kisve Arir is unintelligible. No one can understand so it. I come no, no, today, no one can understand art scroll. Meaning that he, our, all the Arizal all did was write the art scroll of the Zohar. How come before the Arizal nobody ever quoted the Zohar? People quoted the Zohar before the art scroll. The Rishonim did? I don't know if the Rishonim did, but people quoted before the Ari. Before 400 years ago? Of course people quoted the Zohar. Sure. Now, um, just one more thing I want to say about appetite. Everyone has to make sure, and especially men, 
have to make sure that they're getting the right diet. You know, certain people need more carbs, certain people need more proteins, certain people need more, you know, sweeter fruits, and other people need more grounding foods, grain-based diet. So people have different diets. And you have to know if your diet is more what or more why. you got to have both the what's and the why's. One without the other is no good. You know, there was a, a, a rabbi told me that a, someone from the Kabbalah Center of Los Angeles came over to his house. So he figured the guy must be lost because you don't want to be walking down a street of fully observant Jews selling uh, the Kabbalah Center because they're just going to instantly see you're a joker. So whatever, this rabbi said, yeah, come on in, yeah, sit down. So the guy sits down with the rabbi and tells him a couple, you know, nice pieces of Kabbalah about Shabbat. So when, they, when he was escorting the guy out of his house, he said, so do you want to come for Shabbat? And the Kabbalah Center guy says, well, I don't actually keep Shabbat. <laughs> and he says, but maybe I could come for a meal. And the, and the rabbi said, we, after you came here to teach me Kabbalah, we learned Kabbalah and Shabbat, you tell me you don't keep Shabbat. He says, once you know the, the why, you don't necessarily need the what. That's what he said. And all of us, of course, realize that's ridiculous. Why? Because Judaism is in a fully integrated uh, body of, of, of wisdom, knowledge, spirituality. It's integrated, right? When you learn something, you keep it. Good. Ladies, when you learn something, you keep it. Spoken like true teenagers. Listen, I never, I wasn't here when I was a teen. I, I missed being a teen in Torah, Torah teens, <laughs> where you try to keep it. I was 23, postgraduate university, and, and I had enough life experience to know that if it's true, it's you. Otherwise, how do you look yourself in the mirror? You want a happy life. Why would you spend even one second of your life feeling guilty? Why spend one second of your life feeling guilty? Unless, of course, you hate yourself, which is truth about 90% of people but uh, but uh, I guess I had gotten to a point where like I don't want to hate myself I want to love myself and part of loving yourself is being able to look in a mirror and say I love you but how do you say I love you if you're feeling guilty about stupid stuff you did that was against your own your own uh, moral code so. hey what's up ladies what a funny entry you guys want close or far I do have a close Oh, there's, oh, is that your spot? Uh-huh. Oh, so grab this spot. Not you. Come over, come to here. Come to here. You can be across from each other. You're, I'm giving you across the aisle because you already walked in misbehaving. Why am I always in trouble? You're a Jew. Anyway, but uh, it's important to note that the reason why the reason why people do breach their own moral principles, the reason people breach their own code is is because of of self hatred. Meaning, meaning, if you love yourself, then you're like, I love myself, and I want to have a happy life. So why would I spend any minute of it feeling bad about something I did? Because then I won't like myself. So therefore, I'm going to always be a, I'll be good. Not because being good is so good. I'm going to be good because 
I don't want to spend my life feeling bad about myself. I'm going to spend my life feeling good about myself. So I'll do the right things feeling good about myself. And then, and then we're all good. Now, that's easier said than done. Because if someone doesn't like themselves, they have to do serious archaeological digs into what in the world went on in one's life that made them have kind of negative statements internally about themselves. You got to know what went on. You know, it's just more part of therapy. But, but I'm personally not that much interested in what went on. I'm more interested in what are you saying? Because today you're saying it. Who cares where it came from? The point is you're saying it now. What are you saying about yourself that makes you not like yourself such that doing the wrong things is still within the realm of possibility for you? Meaning the guilty feelings for doing the wrong things kind of feels kind of... It's like, it's like it feels good in the mud. Because you know, I, I have muddy statements about myself in the background. So I like mud. I'm a mud connoisseur, so... Maybe if I do the wrong thing once in a while, I can have some more mud. But uh, so that's why, in a nutshell, why self-esteem is before Judaism. Self-esteem is before Judaism. doesn't mean that just because someone doesn't like themselves, they stop keeping shabbos. We should still keep shabbos. We should still keep kosher. But I can't really get anywhere until I like myself. Until I've, I've neutralized negative voices in my head about who I am. Once I've neutralized them, now I can start having relationships. And think about it, until you, what are your, all your relationships? All your relationships are band-aids over those negative voices. So you've never had a relationship. All you've had is using people to feel better about yourself. Which includes your own parents, which is crazy, like your own parents. But you'll notice, you'll call this parent when you're feeling that way, you call that parent when you're feeling this way, you call that sibling when you're feeling this way, you call that one. Call this friend when you get a job, you've called this friend when you lose a job. You're, you're like, you got everybody tapped to basically be little band-aid experience. But once you're in a relationship with yourself that's actually honoring who you are, and you love yourself, and you care for yourself, and you see yourself as a beautiful child of God, so then your USB cable gets cleaned off. There's no more mud. Good luck trying to use a USB cable covered in mud. Your USB cable is now cleaned off. And you can plug it in to all kinds of relationships. And sadly, so many boys and girls think that if they get married, you know, what if I marry the band-aid? Maybe that'll work. You know, <laughs> marry the band-aid. And then, of course, will it work? No way will it work. Not at all. In fact, in fact, what, here, what do men do? Men are like, well, I feel pretty safe at home because, you know, this lady's crazy about me, so let's, let's, let's go out and work and see what the rest of the world can think about me. Or something like that. You know, or, or wow, now i got to provide. <laughs> He's gone. So then a woman immediately is thinking, well, maybe I should have kids. Maybe that will work. And kids are pretty good at it, by the way. Kids are very loving and very loyal and very connected and stuff. They're kind of like pets. <laughs> Much bigger hassle, though. And and but it's again, it's like it's but it's it's also abandoned. How many women's kids moved out 
and the woman was either distraught when the kid moved, you know, the kid either moved out or the kid got married, and how many mommies couldn't let go and have wedged between husbands and wives, meaning the mother-in-law wedged between them because her whole well-being was built off this band-aid called child, and now she's married to somebody else. I've been, uh, I've been in several situations where I was called in as a rabbi, uh, where they, like, it was a serious situation of divorce already. And it was all, really, if you look deep into it, you'd see the mother-in-law was kind of standing there, you know, behind the curtain, like, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Come back to mama! Come back to mama! <laughs> we had a guy actually go back to, we had a girl who went back to mama. And, uh, and th- I mean, it was done. I mean, this was done. This was restraining orders. And, you know, it was like, it was so far gone. And she already moved back to mama. She broke the Hague laws and went back to mama. I Meaning she took kids with her. And you don't break Hague laws. You know, that's the, like, you don't mess with the Hague laws. And uh, she actually took kids without permission back to America. What do you guys say? The rabbis, my colleagues and I, what do you say? We said, just send her a get. Or we said, go back and get her. Cowboy, bring your lasso. You're going to fly to America and go get her. You're going to bring her back like a caveman. What do you think the rabbi said? Just let it go. Try again. <laughs> try Better luck next time. What do you say we said? Go back and get her? Or? We said go back and get her. But, but he had to go through three months training with us. Both religious? What? They were religious? Yeah. We had to get, do three months training. He had to do three months training because obviously if you just send back the same guy, you're going to get the same problem. So we trained him for three months and uh, and he went back and got her. And it totally worked, meaning he needed the training also just to get her back. And then he needed the training to keep her. And Brooke Shem, they lived happily ever after. How's the mother-in-law? She's been tied up. <laughs> She's got a feeder. <laughs> we gave her a gerbil feeder. feeder. <laughs> okay, but this is none of this is our subject. That's all like part of my seminar work, uh, hospital work that we do. And please, God, when you're all ready, you come do the seminar. Um, if it's if the timing's right in your life, you'll, you'll come do it. Cry your eyes out and learn to love yourself. Um, I see my battery's not on for some reason. Do you want to see? It was on just a minute ago. Yeah, it could be a die. Anyone got a bat? Uh, just press the button. There's a tiny button right next to your fingers. Anyone got a battery? Ilya says hello. Who says hello? Ilya. Yeah. Hi, Ilya. Which Ilya are you? Fire. Fire. Ilya, fire. Sure. Fire. Yeah. That's a nice break. Thank you. Yeah, this thing's t- tapped out. I see it fail at some point. Okay, gang. Um, let's get back to our work. Now, I'd like to show you a... Um, 
I just show you a Venn diagram, but this may be too low. Is this still on the video here? Yeah. Yeah. But can you all see down there? Or you want me to move over here? Move over here. So when you look at the word spiritual, oh, I forgot black's no good. Look at the word spiritual. Thinking how to do this in a cool way. Uh, I'm making a Venn diagram. And we're going to put over here the word align. We're going to put over here the word connect. As we spoke about the USB, like when you're in the spirit mode, when you're feeling your soul, when you're connected, you're in the zone, you're so connected, you feel like everyone's your new best friend. It's like Lagbom or, or Purim. Purim. How many people did you hug on Purim? You hug a lot of people on Purim? Maybe you ladies didn't drink. We hugged a lot of people. Men hugged, hugged a lot of people on Purim. Weird, right? Like how many people can you hug in one day? There was a constant hugs, group hugs, tackle hugs. <laughs> Every kind of hug was happy. <laughs> and anyway, but ritual means alignment. And whenever you do a ritual of any sort, there's always wait. There's how to do it. Meaning, like, there's how to keep Shabbat. There's how to make a bracha. There's how to um, pick an esrog. There's how to kosher a kitchen. There's how to make matzah. There's how to drink the four cups. There's how there's how to read Haggadah. There's, there's a lot of how-tos. And all those how-tos are the alignments. The connection, though, that's the spirit part. Now, there's more to it than that. In the alignment, you have all the negative commandments... And in the connection, you have the positive commandments. So, in connection, you're going to have positive, meaning, meaning when you do a positive commandment, you're involved in more connection. Maybe a great example of that is, is uh, tzedakah, where I'm taking my money and I'm just saying to this guy at my door, which I did about an hour, two hours ago, is I just handed him some money. And it was amazing, actually, because I didn't have the money, but I handed him a hundred shekel anyway. And then I was like, kind of thinking, uh-oh. And just as he was leaving the house, my wife's like, oh, wait, we still have money left over from Purim. And I'm like, Phew. And I'm like, I'm like, well, I already gave him money, and I went in the envelope and pulled out a hundred shekel and put it back in my pocket because I didn't have that money at all to give. I was basically giving whatever was left in the house. And, uh, and, but that connection, my five fingers, which is hey, reached out to his five fingers, which is hey. And that made a yud. That created a point, point of connection. And that's a yud in my hand to his hands, a yud. Our two hands are the two hey's. And what is a vav? A vav is the vav was the money. 
vav was the exchange. That was the the, the bill, hundred shekel bill. It was the vav. There was a connection made with the positive commandment of giving stuck. Now, the that's all the positive things. When I'm putting on tefillin, when I'm saying shema, when you're lighting Shabbos candles, when we're when we're resting on Shabbos, and when we're making birkasamosa, every time we're doing something positive, and even rabbinic positive, even things that rabbinically like a, a before bracha is rabbinic. Every time you're doing something, it's connective. I mean, if I'm doing stuff for my wife, it's connective stuff. Negative commandments are more about the alignment. And that is that there's stuff we're supposed to avoid to keep the wheels aligned. Meaning, if you every time you parallel park, if you always slam the curve with your front wheel, you know, eventually you're gonna your car is gonna be out of alignment. So thou shalt not bang your car into the curb. It's nice to hit the curb once in a while. It gives you a sense of where you are. But like you can kind of feel the curb a little bit and and then pull in tight, you know, to the spot. But eventually, it's going to mess up the alignment of, of the car. So you'll notice that in the pipe of creation, which is ultimately spirituality, which is piping down this, the infinite to the finite, in spirituality, there are themes. There are themes. Every mitzvah has a theme. Every holiday has a theme. And in that theme, it's got alignments. And those uh, those alignments, for example, the um, alignment you can you, if you want to invite these people, they can come in. Bubby, go go get those girls. They ran away. We're, we're going to get them in here. Go go tell them how they should come. But, yeah, those two girls. Go to them. You can go to them. They don't want to come. All right. <laughs> Bobby, we're, we're using you in sales. Okay, they, yeah, we, we got to work on your marketing a little bit. The truth is, they were already long gone when once when I waved, they darted. So um, I realized, you know, that window. I always think the windows for bringing more people in, but I think the windows there for people to be able to see without coming in. You know, it's like it's like touching a pool without actually getting in. <laughs> you know, just feeling the water. Um, so every in spirituality, we're piping stuff down. For example, Pesach. Pesach. Oh, thank you so much. Pesach. We're going to be piping down freedom, freedom, which is called cheros. Nothing to do with like American freedom. It's not democracy. It's not liberty. It's it's none of that stuff. But whatever it is, without going into it, because it's not quite Pesach, we'll do, it. we'll do a lot of Pesach stuff later. But what we're going to be doing is piping down freedom. Whatever freedom means to Judaism. Now, that pipe, normally when you think of a pipe, you think of a round pipe. It's not a round pipe. This pipe is a multifaceted pipe. It has to link in properly to, to us. Well, what are the facets? The in facets of the of the, you know, corrugation of the pipe, the in-facet is the positive stuff. The out-facets is the negative stuff. In-facet would be, for example, we're going to drink four cups of wine, we're going to read the Haggadah, we're going to make Kiddush, we're going to, um, uh, what else are we do? We're going to eat matzah. The out-facets are, we're going to make sure there's no chametz, we're not going to eat chametz, we're not going to see chametz, uh, we're not going to do malacha on that night. 
We have all these things not to do that night. And by avoiding those things and by doing the others, now there's an alignment and then freedom comes down. So they're very much connected. The alignments and the connection are very much connected, but you've got to have both. So when you're involved in ritual, you're involved in alignment. When you're involved in connection, you're involved in... Uh, when you're doing positive commandments, you're involved in connection. Now, which should be your favorite commandments? The positives or the negatives? Positives. Right? Who doesn't want to be connected? So the answer is... How can you have a favorite when you go? I was speaking uh, theoretically. So... Which is our favorite? Negatives. Negatives, you know why? You're, you're all naturally connected. The positive commandments are elective. You know, they're not elective literally, meaning I have to do it or I've got to do chuva. If I didn't put on my film tonight, I'd have to do chuva. It's not so elective. But I did elect to create that connection via my mitzvah today. Tell me, am I disconnected from God right now? Or am I connected? I'm connected. Am I wearing tefillin right now? No. Not. How could it be? The answer is that right now I'm avoiding negative commandments. And the connection's there. It's always there. It never goes away. But what if I were right now teaching this class while eating a cheeseburger? <laughs> right. Yeah, it'd be it'd be clogged up. I'd be spiritually disconnected. Connection Connection is natural And you want to know something else about connection? I'll ask you do Ju- Does Judaism have a patent on alignment? Do we have a patent on alignment? Yes or no? Yes <laughs> We're the masters of what not to do No one knows what not to do like we do We are, we are the world's experts on what not to do <laughs> Show me some one Gentile in the world who has anywhere near the detail that you yourself have on what not to do. Connection. Do we have the, do we have the patent on connection? Mm-hmm. Not at all. No. <laughs> it's, the nat- it's your natural state. You may have a lot of stuff covering it up, but it's the natural state of all people, all human beings, all of humanity. We're all created in the image of God and we're all totally connected to God. We can get no things in the way of that. Gentiles can get seven things in the way of that. Sorry, five things. Gentiles have five negative commandments, which have to do with uh, idolatry, stealing, adultery, uh, killing, and uh, cruelty to animals. But as long as they're not doing those five things, they're all set. That's why you'll notice Gentiles are often more spiritual than Jews. You notice that? The reason why Gentiles are more spiritual than Jews, they got less plaque. They have less cholesterol in their arteries. There's only so much they can do wrong. And so they have that state of connection more automatic. Jews, on the other hand, with thousands and thousands and thousands of things we could do wrong, of the 55,000 commandments, which the majority of which are negative commandments, I'm coming to you one sec. The, the negative the negative halachas that we can do wrong you realize that you can do more wrong as a Jew in one week 
then a Gentile could probably get the, get done in their lifetimes. Which makes sense why we get a factory reset every Yom Kippur, and they have to deal with their judgment on the day of their death. Meaning they meet they meet their maker when they die. We meet our maker once a year for a full, you know, re, uh, uh, it's not just a reset. First we have to do, uh, what is it called? Review, uh, re, you know, we have to do our life review from Elul to Yom Kippur every year, 40 days life review. A Gentile, when they die, they get their life review. That's when they hand in their little scan tranche or large scan tranche sheet of how they did with all their choices. We <laughs> hand in our scantron sheet every Yom Kippur. And, and that's our reset because of all the things that can go wrong with a Jew. And inadvertently, without even trying to do anything wrong, you can do a million things wrong. And each thing we do wrong, whether you're observant or not observant, of course someone not observant doesn't carry the penalty of it because they don't know what they're doing. But... But someone who's non-observant still it still creates the clock of creation, the kabbalistic job of Jews on planet Earth is getting clogged up by them, even though they won't be punished for it spiritually because they know not what they do. But the Earth is kind of feeling the weight of uh, Jews who are not tuned in. Yeah, what was your question? It's a machlokus if someone gets karis, which is a severed soul. If someone's soul is severed through karis, it's a machlokus whether you can do tshuva for that. Hasidim say yes, the talk say no. <laughs> I'm Hasidic. <laughs> what? What did you say? I said God gave him another day. He doesn't. He's not waking up in the morning. And he can't. But if he can no, we mean a spiritual cut off. Meaning, in this, once they die, that's going to be it. Like the spiritual existence. Different because he gave them another. another day. Question is: Does is he going to wind up with spiritual exorcism for what he did? That's his question. So can he do true? Does he get another chance? Before uh, or after he does? Now, by the way, everyone should know. A lot of people don't know this. Curis is only amazing. Meaning, things that get chorus, like, for example, eating chametz on Pesach, you have to have people walk up to you and say, you know, you shouldn't be eating that stuff. Oh, yeah. And they have to be two kosher witnesses that come up to you. Well, I'll tell you this much. Two kosher witnesses are never going to walk up to some guy in an amusement park during Holmoy Pesach and give the guy chorus. You understand? <laughs> it's never going to happen. No one's going to do that to somebody. And so, no, that's only uh, a little Jewish family in the middle of their sandwiches on the Cholamoy. They forgot it was Pesach, so it's never going to happen. Karis is more the danger of Karis is more going to be up for observant Jews. But even observant Jews, when are you going to wind up in an amazing situation to actually get the Karis? So, please God, we should never know from it. Yeah. Oh, he has 30 days. 30 days. Um, it says in Kabbalah that the, the tselem, the image of God that's upon you, it disappears for 30 days if you eat non-kosher food. My question is... Uh, three, zero or one? three zero. Three zero. Three zero. Thirty. 
30 days. Yeah. Yeah, natural connection. Unless something goes wrong. Well, uh, or there's other things. Unless he doesn't love himself. Well, how much connection can you have with anyone if you don't love yourself? It's usury. You're always using. Does it reconnect after you stop? What? Does it re- do you have to automatic... Do you need to do chuba in order for that connection? Oh, for the reconnect? Yeah. Uh, that's a good... Co- that I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I imagine you do, but I don't know. It's, yeah. it's 30 days even after that you need to chuba? I, I don't know the Chuva question. I don't know the Chuva question. Um, also, by the way, since we're on that subject, that's only for someone who it was derisa, meaning if it was chicken and cheese, or it was not eaten at the same time. You know, because the derisa, you just have to have a break between meat and milk. All the numbers we give, you know, one hour for Belgium and uh, three hours for. German. 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 I'm sorry, Belgian is uh, three hours. Who's the one hour people? Holland. Holland. Don't you wish you were from Holland? <laughs> Do they also use, I'm in my first hour? <laughs> That's so funny. That really kills our in the sixth hour trick. <laughs> I'm in the first hour. <laughs> I lost your question already. So isn't it, isn't, I'm, I'm trying to get at the point that like a lot of people, I don't know if it's the Sahara, but we don't, they don't want to learn because then they have to do or then they have to keep. So it's better to be in the dark. Oh, ignorance is bliss? Kind of like that. What about that? That they're, that we're not held to a certain level of, of, of expectation by Hashem. But when we don't know what we're doing. But when we weren't taught, like the prince that was you know, he doesn't know right. So what about them? So, so in a way, is that better? Yeah. It's not better. The judgment, I should say. It's not better because because the purpose of creation is to have a relationship with God. So it's better someone gets gets stuck with the liability of doing the wrong things in a connection with God than missing the purpose of why they came. That makes sense? So the, the only reason we're here is to... That's why we're here. I mean, we, God put us here, not just to, like, go to Zisalik and have ice cream or something, like, or go down to that Malchamal or something. Like, God put us here to connect to Him. And so, yes, it may be less liability for someone who doesn't know that, they miss the purpose. So the purpose is more important even if it creates liability. In the opinion that a person can't reconnect with the car and spend the car, we've got to keep them alive. There's a lot of zombie that can never reconnect with God. And They're not a zombie. It's, it's zombie in the spiritual sense. First of all, there's different definitions of spiritual exorcism. It could be um, childlessness also. That's one opinion. Childlessness is... Uh, um, meaning they won't outlive their children. Their children, yeah, that's what I meant. I uh, know their children won't outlive 
then. You know, there's different definitions, but the um, if someone has spiritual exorcism, it doesn't mean that their soul's cut off immediately. It means that when they die. So they're still alive, they can still love and care and you know, there's lots of beautiful people out there who don't even believe in in souls and God or anything and they're having very nice lives. What? Yeah. <laughs> Makes you want to go to beer bazaar. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm a rabbit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. So if somebody believes that once you get cards, you can't like that's it. You don't do jail part. You can't do jail part. Can we do whatever they want now? <laughs> I know right, you can't get worse than that. You could do chuba for Kari's during your lifetime, no? Until you've died. Some hold yes. Some hold yes. I I believe. I believe yes. People say there are people. I'll tell you why. But logically, why I believe yes. It's pure pure logic. Whatever that guy did before he did it, God was there. It's not like he, can you surprise God? Can you do anything that God would be like? Dope. I, I just can't believe it. There's nothing you can do that would shock God. God's God's everywhere. God's in everything. God's God. He didn't just create the pig. He, there's no such thing that God's not there also. Now it turns out that pig's forbidden for whatever Kabbalistic reasons God wants it forbidden. So we're not allowed to eat it. But He's there. And God made the pig. And God made the Jew who's about to eat the pig. And God knows that guy's going straight for the hot dog, which is his favorite thing to eat. He's on a ski trip. There's no other food. And he never ate kosher before. And so, meaning, to say that there's no tshuva for a curious move, think about it, how psychological an avera is. Think how psychological sinning is. Sinning is a purely psychological thing. Your mind is making choices here. It's got, every time you make a choice, there's like pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses, pluses and minuses. And somehow, psychologically, you went temporarily insane and some more pluses than minuses on a sin. How else could you sin? You don't, you don't do nothing without pluses and minuses first. Everything you do is always, even that you're in this class right now, everyone in this classroom right now, I can guarantee you, and I'll put a, a hundred bucks on the table, that everyone of you came in here because you thought there'd be more plus than minus. Although sometimes I watch the faces of the people in the class going like, oh, wow. <laughs> These are minuses. <laughs> That's how we work. So God created us that way. And somehow, sometimes people go crazy and go for the, go, and put her pluses where they're minuses, where they should have been minuses, they're putting pluses. And guess who created the Yetzirah that makes us blow the pluses and the minuses? God created the Yetzirah. God created the temporary insanity that gave us, that pluses became minuses and minuses became pluses, and then we did the Avera. But God's the one who put that inclination inside of us. So how can he not offer tshuva? There's got to be tshuva available for someone who's like, basically, it was the most predictable thing in the world that that person was going to do that. You know, imagine uh, just in, the, like, one of the terrible ones would be, uh, uh, I don't want to bring up a virus right now. Killing someone. 
Yeah, anything. It's like if you were watching the movie, you know where he's going with that knife. You know? Or or some lady with terrible self esteem who's married, but you know, her, her busy husband's, you know. But meanwhile, the, the, you know, the mailman's showing her a lot of attention lately. When you're watching that movie, you know where it's going. So what do you, what do you, 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 don't have, you don't have to be a genius to know where it's going, this film. So every time anyone does anything wrong, it's the movie that's so clearly going there. You understand? So like to say they don't have tuba for the, for the movie they're in, you know, there's obviously, there's got to be tuba. It's the most simple, predictable narrative. It's amazing. We'll even keep watching because we know where it's going. Yeah? So how come people say no? And if you say that there how come people say what? That there is no possibility. And if you say there is no possibility, there is no possibility. Possibility of what? I try. Oh. I don't know. Okay. Go ask the lid talk. Do they really believe that? Does your father lit it? I don't think they Ask really him. believe that. Hashem could have given, taken their life the next day, wouldn't have woken them up. There's a reason he wakes everyone up the next day to have another possibility of making a chance and change. I don't, I don't know. Anyway, but there is. Um, by the way, when I say it's Litvox, I'm half kidding. Meaning, I know Litvox say that there's no chuva for Karis, but I don't know that every Litvox says that. I've heard Litvox say that. I'm not saying every Litvak says it, but I know for a fact because I'm connected to, you know, you know, Baal Shas, Baal Kabbalah, Baal, you know, Vilnagon, Luzato, uh, every meaning everything. Our Kisvei, I'm connected to a, a branch all the way down, Rebbe to Talmud, uh, you know, sitting in this man's shade for the last twenty. So he told me straight out there's chuva from cars. So, and we just discussed it logically, but uh, but I, I've only learned in Litvish yeshivas over the years. So whenever we deal with cars, so it's been explained as being forever. Rabbi, what did you learn? Chuva for cars or not chuva for cars? Yeah, somebody got cars, they get chuva. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> That's what I like to do. <laughs> okay. Um, is it four o'clock yet? Um, ladies and gentlemen, it was a pleasure. And we will continue this tomorrow. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.